So just before Steve comes and talks to us, I'll read through our Bible reading this morning, which I'm sure will appear on the screen, but it's Luke 24, verses 13 to 35, and it's titled On the Road to Emmaus. So Luke 24, 13 to 35. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Jerusalem. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women were amazed. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I welcome Steve up to the stage. 
and I'll pray. Gracious Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the work that, uh, and the preparation that Steve has done. And Lord, just really ask for your spirit to work through Steve this morning, Lord, and may our hearts be open to you to hear from you this morning. In your name. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Good morning, everyone. It's my privilege to be with you this morning as we open up this passage together. And despite what the weather might be telling us outside, holiday season is well and truly upon us. As I look around the, the room, I see that some people are definitely off on their holidays. Some people have got the holiday vibe. No? no nothing? Nothing? Okay, maybe no holiday vibe in the room, but there's, there's time. Uh, but it's really nice, I think, that we're at a, a phase in, uh, in, in this uh, pandemic that we find ourselves in where things are starting to open up, that people are now able to take some time off to visit friends and family, to, to relax, and we pray uh, a blessing upon um, everyone who's taking some, some time now. It, it feels like a long time coming. And for, for me, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to take a bit of a break, went off with some, some friends, and we decided whilst we were away that we would go and, and visit a local church. And that church happened to be called Emmaus Road. Some of you may know of Emmaus Road. It's, it's uh, quite a, a big church up near London. But as I was, as, as I was uh, taking my seat, I was thinking to myself, well, this is a bit of an odd name for a church. And then I thought, hang on, I'm preaching on Emmaus Road in a couple of weeks. What, what's, what's going on here? So I started delving into those thoughts a little bit more. And as it started to develop, I was, I was just really taken by, by this name for a church. I mean, how, how often do we actually think about the name of a church? You know, what, what, does, what does it mean to be called Hope Baptist Church? Who decided that Hope Baptist Church should be called Hope Baptist Church? What, what does that mean? Now, perhaps you're, you're, you're getting a glimpse into the workings of my mind, which you're, you're not really prepared for this morning, but I, I, I promise this is going somewhere. Essentially, I found myself thinking, what does it mean to be an Emmaus Road church? It struck me as really unconventional that a group of people would choose this seemingly unimportant road a dust track even, on the outskirts of Jerusalem as the name for their church. So with that in mind, I, I started pouring into this, this scripture, and, and, and I, I really wanted to go and find that answer. And as I did, I, I, was, I was really struck with, with what I found, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. Now, for those of you who are uh, regulars at church or have been Christians for, for quite a long time, this, this passage is probably quite familiar to you. We, we will hear it as part of our Easter story every year. For the rest of us, it's probably helpful that we go back and, and set this scene in context, and you may want to have, um, have, have the passage open in front of you as, as we explore uh, the passage in a bit more depth. And we start 
in verse 13 by setting the, the timeline of the story as, as happening on the day of Jesus's resurrection. And we're introduced to two people who are making their way from Jerusalem to a small village called Emmaus. And we get the gist that, that these, these two are disciples of Jesus, probably not part of, of the Big 12, but, but part of, of his, his, his immediate following. And Emmaus isn't very far from Jerusalem. It's probably about six or seven miles away, no further than for, for us to travel to, to say, Ivy Bridge. But of course, they didn't have the, the joys of, of getting in a car uh, and driving down the A38, they would have had to have walked. And that would have probably taken them about three hours or so. And so whilst they're on, on this journey, they've got plenty of time to talk about everything that's happened over the past week or so. The, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the unfair trial, and then ultimately the brutal death of the person that they thought would be their savior. And we, we, we get the, the, the feel from, from the passage that these two disciples had been part of that main group who earlier in the day had heard stories of Jesus rising from the dead. But for, for whatever reason, they, they either didn't believe or they didn't understand what had been told to them. And so as, as we read on in the passage, when we get to verse 19 and 20, we see that that they saw Jesus as a prophet. They'd, they'd clearly been impressed with him. Clearly something had, had struck a chord with them. And, and they, they, they tell us that they thought he was the Messiah. They thought he was gonna be this deliverer of Israel. But we also see that their view was limited. And as, as an outsider looking into this passage with the benefit of hindsight, you, you can get a little bit frustrated with these, these two people. They were so close to getting it. They had seen Jesus. They knew Jesus. They knew their scriptures. They'd heard his teaching. They even make reference to, to Jesus talking about the third day. And yet they seem to miss what is glaringly obvious. And so they find themselves on a journey a journey away from Jerusalem, a journey taking them in the opposite direction from everything that was happening. And so we then see Jesus stepping right into their situation and turning their lives around. And I believe that's what it means to be an Emmaus Road church, a community where Jesus has an impact. So we need to be prepared, church, for that to happen. We need to be prepared for an interruption. These two people were, were downcast. They thought that their world had ended. Everything that they thought they knew had been shredded up. All their hopes were shattered. But Jesus steps into their journey. He interrupts them. He could have walked on by but he intentionally stops and joins their conversation. And as the story develops, we see that Jesus is setting them on a corrective action. And as I was thinking about that, I, I, I began asking myself, okay, am I in need of interruption? We, we, we live in a world now of interruptions. I mean, particularly for me in, in the last 18 months or so, working from home, 
I, I have found my life even more interrupted. I sit down for a day, day of work and the doorbell rings and I've got an Amazon delivery. Okay, that, that's my fault, but, but still, I've, I've got that delivery waiting for me. I've got people picking up the phone, I've got emails pinging, I've got text messages, I've got you know, all of these things going on. We live in this world of interruptions, but are we, are we in need of interruption from God? We ask that question in the context of this story, with, with these two disciples walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from where everything was happening. Now, these guys weren't bad people. They hadn't turned their, their back on God. They weren't disobeying God. They were followers of Jesus, just like you and me. They, they were innocently heading in the wrong direction. They were probably making plans to return home, to, to get back to a normal life. And how many times have we heard that in the last 18 months? And I thought to myself, well, aren't, aren't, we, aren't we guilty of doing exactly the same thing? We, we can make so many plans. And if you ask Katie, she'll definitely tell you I love a plan. It's, it's why I'm a project manager. All, all plans start with good intentions, and I love to plan. And yet, so often, we find ourselves heading in completely the wrong direction and, and in need of a reset. And I wonder, does that resonate for anyone this morning? It, it, it did for me. And if we're going to talk about reset moments, then we certainly can't avoid talking about the last 18 months. COVID has been that, that ultimate reset moment, both, both personally and as a church. We've had to stop, we've had to reassess, we've, we've had to ask ourselves, what are the most important elements of being a, a, a church? What, what is it that is, is going to, to move us forward as, as a church family? What is it that is going to be that reset moment for me personally? What is the most important thing in my life? And maybe for, for some, that, that's been an uncomfortable look in the mirror. I know that, that I've been challenged over the last 18 months on some of my behaviors and attitudes towards worship and, and commitment to, to the church. And with that, commitment to Jesus. And these last 18 months have been an opportunity to take stock, to, to, to recharge, to, to get ready to go again. And I have to tell you, I am genuinely excited for what God has in store for Hope Baptist Church. So, so yes, we need to be prepared for interruption. Hopefully not again on the scale of a global pandemic, but as a church family, we should be expecting God to speak. And when he does, we should be prepared for our eyes to be opened. We go back into the story. We see that, that, that these, these two people on the road initially couldn't understand. They, they saw Jesus' death as a defeat. But Jesus went through the scriptures piece by piece, and all of those pieces of the puzzle slowly came together until that point where they suddenly could see that whole picture. 
They understood how the whole of history was pointing to this moment in time. Even though they'd spent probably most of the last three years or so following Jesus, listening to his teaching, it was only now at this point that they actually got it. And for me, this is one of the most heartwarming passages of Scripture. There's, there's something really moving about Jesus appearing to, to two humble, unknown disciples. I think it, it, it allows us to, to hear Jesus speak to us as if we were those people on the road. And if we look at, at verse 25, what, what sounds like a rebuke, when, when set in its context... comes across as as a gentle teaching moment. Now, as a a child, one of my favorite films was The Miracle Maker. And if if you've never seen it, I do encourage you to to go and and have a look at it. It's one of the most faithful animated reproductions of the gospel that that I have seen. And and what makes it so so special for me is, is the casting of Ray Fiennes as the voice of Jesus. If, if, if you know, know Ray Fiennes, you, you'll know he's, he's got a voice of, of authority, of intelligence, of, of dignity, yet, yet still comes across as very warm and caring. And, and the, the scene of the Emmaus Road in this film, with, with, with that setting, has, has lived with me ever since. So what we see in, in, in verse 25, initially sounding quite harsh... If, if we set it in, in a, a context of a, of a warm and caring teacher, we suddenly hear something very different. We, we, we hear Jesus saying, well, don't you understand? Can't you see? I've just spent three years talking to you about this. Haven't you read the prophets? Can't you see the Messiah had to die? On, on that on that journey, on that Emmaus road, Jesus essentially embarks on a systematic Bible study where he pieces everything together. He's guiding them through the scriptures. And we're not told specifically which ones, but it sounds like he did a pretty thorough job. And what he demonstrates is that at the cross, all of history is tied together. Everything falls into place. There's no secret knowledge when, when you become a Christian. There, there's no levels of entitlement to, uh, in, enlightenment to pass through. What Jesus does on the road to Emmaus is identify the thread that weaves through history. And today, we're surrounded by information. We're surrounded by data. We have more news and we're, we're more aware than we've ever been. And yet for all of that data, all of that knowledge, we still lack wisdom. The insights to see how, how things tie together, to see the truth that is hidden in plain sight. And I hear Jesus saying to me, don't you understand? Can't you see? I think as, as Christians and as a church, we can spend so much time looking for answers in the world and not recognize what is right in front of us. And that's why it's so important to spend time in our Bibles, both, both together and individually. 
And the challenge that, 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 that came to me was, well, if, if someone were to ask me why I believe in Jesus, why, why I believe Jesus is the Messiah, would I be able to answer them? And I thought about it, and, and I thought, well, so many other cultures, so many other world religions tie themselves so devotedly into their holy texts, I would feel woefully unprepared as a result. Now, I don't want anyone to hear this as a, as a criticism this morning. I'm not criticizing anyone for, for not spending time reading their Bibles. But it is an area that, that I would like to work on. And what I'm saying is, well, we can't hope to realize the fullness of God's story if we're not immersed in it, if we don't take time to admire the craftsmanship of history. And it seems that for these, these two disciples on the Emmaus Road, that is exactly what Jesus helps them to realize. And as they reflect on their encounter, we see them realizing that. And, and they tell us their hearts were burning within them as he made it real to them. So I have a, a, I have a couple of questions for us then this morning as a result of that. What do you feel like when you read your Bible? Does it make you weep? Does it make you laugh? Does, does it make you angry at injustice? Does your heart burn? I believe the gospel of Jesus demands a response. I believe you, you can't be impassive when hearing about Jesus. And if you are, then I, then I would suggest you've missed something about the awesome wonder, the, the spectacle, the outrageousness of the gospel. The Bible is not a lifeless, soulless history textbook. It's a love story between God and his people. It speaks of a, of, of a people so messed up, there's absolutely no way that they can save themselves. It talks of a people so stubborn and self-centered, they destine themselves for a lost eternity. And yet, through that, it also speaks of a love so audacious, it dares to rewrite the ending. A grace so profound that the author takes the punishment. Church, does this make your heart burn? I think it's, it's, it's really funny how, how the same people who, who can come to church and keep their hands firmly in their pockets on a Sunday morning will be jumping up and down at the, the football match the day before or, or will be posting all over Facebook how the latest Love Island eviction was just totally unfair. Our emotional outbursts reveal where our heart is really at. And if we can get so impassioned about a game or about a TV show, and yet not have a response to the greatest story ever told, what does that tell us about ourselves? What does it say to other people? Now, I know we're British. I know we have it ingrained in our societal law that we, we keep our passions on the down low. But come on, shouldn't our hearts burn for the gospel? What is it that we're afraid of? 
We shouldn't be afraid of our identity as a Christian, and we certainly should not be afraid to show it. I was reminded of a song, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. For the disciples on the Emmaus Road, their hearts were ablaze, and the proof of it was in their actions. As soon as they realized that it was Jesus, they could not wait to share the truth with, with everyone else. And so even though they'd walked those seven miles to Emmaus, even though it was evening, even though the journey was dangerous, the first thing that they did was to set back out for Jerusalem so that they could tell the disciples. And the good news of Jesus is exciting. It should ignite that passion in our souls that has to come out. And I think so often we, we start our Christian life with that passion, but over time it dwindles down. The, the, the honeymoon phase ends and we settle into a rhythm, into the regular, into the similar, into the safe. The plod, plod, plod of doing the same thing every week until we suddenly find church is about doing what we want and about keeping us happy. And it becomes about maturing the community and less about reaching the lost. And I'm not saying that, that maturing the community is a bad thing. Far from it. But I've had to ask myself... Does my heart still burn for the good news of Jesus? In this last year in particular, I have been challenged by my own response and how I share that with other people. But thank God that in those moments, I've also found that in, in in that raw, honest, magnificent truth of the Easter story, we also find an open, inclusive, personal relationship with God. And I'm reminded that on several occasions, he stepped into my life, he's turned my life around, he's made me walk in the other direction. And most importantly, that I'm not the only one. There is testimony of countless Christians throughout history who could tell you how God has intervened and interacted in their lives. And I'm sure for many of you in this, in this room, you would have similar stories. Jesus is not just a man confined to the history books. He's alive. He, we're told he sits at the right hand of God. He intercedes on our behalf. He works in us and through us to influence our present and our future. Is that true for you this morning? Does your heart burn? And Emmaus Road Church can be identified by their actions. It's a community emboldened by the gospel. It's a community whose center is on the truth. A community who cannot wait to share that with others. A community with a heart to see more and more people come to know Jesus for themselves. So what is it that I want you to hear this morning? Well, I want you to hear that we're all 
in need of an Emmaus Road experience. Whether that is to, to interrupt us and turn us around, whether that's to, to open our eyes, whether that's to, to reignite the fire in our hearts, we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need that power of the Holy Spirit to come alongside and work in us. And as fallen people who continue to fall short, he is the one who steps into our lives. He is the one who opens our eyes. He is the one who makes our hearts burn. And as we've talked about being a church open to interruptions, well, now we need to live it. So as I finish and we respond to what God has been saying to us, I've asked Dave to just come and lead us in a time where we're just going to simply wait on God. No words are going to appear on the screen for this, this next song. You don't need to sing along, although you can if you want. We're going to use this time to listen, to focus in on God to allow him in. So use this time now as, as you need it. If you want to stay sat, if you want to kneel, if you want to stand, sing, dance, whatever it is that is going to help you in this moment to, to focus in on God, whatever it is that, it, that, that, that you are feeling led to do in response to what you've heard, now is the time to do that. So as I finish, and as we come into this time of response, let's pray. Gracious Father, we're so thankful that you know our needs before we do, and yet you still delight in us coming to you and sharing our lives with you. In this moment, we open our hearts to you. We give you permission to interrupt our plans to open our eyes, to ignite the fire in our hearts. Father, we thank you. You've not left us to our own devices, to that end that we would be destined for. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we have a hope and a new life free of shame and guilt. And in this moment that we give back to you, help us to respond to you in a fitting and pleasing way. Help us to keep the fire burning. Help us as we go from here to share the good news of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray.